Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. know people say well this is a very strong female character and I'm like what is that like I want to play all of it (laughs) I just don't want you to single you know singular you know single out aspects that are you know one-sided of of your idea of of what a woman is or should be Hey guys, welcome back to Pop Culture Confidential. I'm Christina Yerling Biro. Thank you so much for joining me for this personal and interesting conversation that I've had with actor Alicia Vikander. An opportunity to talk to an inspirational talent in her own right about playing another inspiration, someone who's been a big influence to me and so many others, Gloria Steinem as well as talking to Alicia about her now decade-long career, about finding her own voice, and what she wants to do with her power. It feels like an incredible moment to get to speak to the super-focused actor about her career and life now, post-Oscar win, and ahead of several interesting films coming this year. She told me that she's been learning to take small breaks, and when I caught up with her this week, she's just been learning to cook Japanese food, among other things. Later this year, we'll see Alicia Vikander as one of four actors in the film The Glorious, where she's playing feminist icon Gloria Steinem, whose activism and leadership shaped the women's movement and impacted generations. The film is based on Steinem's memoir, My Life on the Road, and is directed by Julia Taymor and also starring Julianne Moore. Now, of course, Alicia and Gloria grew up decades and continents apart. Already as a child, Gloria was always on the road with her traveling antique salesman father, and for a long time she cared for her mentally unstable mother. Against many odds, she found her voice in activism and women's rights. Alicia grew up in the Swedish town of Gothenburg. Her mother's a stage actress and her father's a psychiatrist. She started early with an intense ballet education and acting career. But Steinem has said that she sees herself in Vikander, that they had similar dreams as kids, first wanting to be ballet dancers and then lawyers, art and activism. They also connect in knowing what life is like when you're always on the road, and of course, in finding your voice and your power. 
And for over a decade, Alicia Vikander has been doing just that, through her movies, for example. From a royal affair, to her brilliant portrayal of a robot slave in Ex Machina, to her Oscar-winning performance in A Danish Girl. And of course, in Tomb Raider, which has a sequel coming very soon. Alicia talked to me about her focus and how she prepared to play the icon that is Gloria Steinem. About how early in her Hollywood career, a famous actress spoke up for her in an uncomfortable sexist situation and what that meant for her going forward. How she's taken a course and learned about unconscious bias and what she wants to do with her Hollywood power. To be able to play women from all forms, angles, and dimensions. And to get smaller movies made with interesting writers and directors. Here is my conversation with Alicia Vikander. Alicia, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Um, if you'll just indulge me for 30 seconds, a couple years ago, um, I was supposed to interview you live on stage and for my show, but then, then I got sick, like hospital sick, which is a freelance nightmare, but that's another story. <laughs> um, I wrote you later to apologize and see if we could set up something new, and you sent me such a kind email and you apologized. You wrote that you had just finished a press tour in three continents, dozens of countries, hundreds of days, and just needed a break. Maybe not a hundred days, but it was, <laughs> it was probably a... a lot of them. Yeah. But here we are. And honestly, the fact that I get to talk to you ahead of the Glorias, it just felt meant to be because my listeners know that I stand Steinem. Um, and so yes. to quote her, the art of life is not controlling what happens to us, but using what happens to us. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, I, I, I myself have, have, have listened to your podcast with Gloria and that, you know, I, I felt the same way when I when I got to meet her the first time in person. Uh, it was kind of, yeah, overwhelming. What did you do on that break? I want to know first. At that point, I was probably still, if that was two, three years ago, I was probably still very close to getting onto another job. But and then taking a break from press became quite important, I think. Because um, I had had two two years when so many films came out, and I kind of just wanted to focus on on the projects that I had coming up. Um, uh, and it's not probably until like the last year now, the last one and a half years, when I, for the first time in like ten years, decided to actually take breaks when I not only do not do press, but I don't work for a few weeks and I have time to um actually now I've I, I over the last two weeks I've I've been taking uh, a bit time off I'm about to start working next week but I've mostly spent time cooking oh, good for you <laughs> that's my that's my new thing I'm like yeah I've been baking and cooking I've had a had a Japanese uh, um friend over the other night who now uh you know is is teaching me Japanese cuisine mm, <laughs> so that's, that's amazing yeah and can I ask, I don't know if I've heard this or if I've just sort of thought it was, are you a gamer? Well, that was probably during the time when I was promoting Tomb Raider, I'm sure. I I, I actually did go and, you know, um, um, uh, play the new games before I made the, the film. I used to play Tomb Raider when I was a kid. Um, and I, I think I just realized I was like in awe of the people who, you know, because you need so much time. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> already up to like, you know, I had spent like two days and I don't know how... I hadn't come back far 
uh, <laughs> games and probably realized that I'm not as good as I used to be at this sort of thing. And, you know, so I, I haven't done it in quite, you know, some time. But when I was a uh, like a, you know, young teenager, um, um, I really enjoyed uh, both my computer games and video games. You seem like such a focused person. You learn Danish for a movie. You learn Japanese for Earthquake Bird. You train for your action movies. And you always have like four movies in post. Um, can you describe the sort of Vikander focus in words? <laughs> I don't know. I think, you know, it's more than I think focus comes out of love for doing something. Um, so I don't think I'm, you know, I decide to focus on something, you know, and that, you know, then, then I've started in the wrong end. I think, um, I love when I come, you know, like the, of course I didn't learn, I didn't learn Japanese in the way I could learn Danish being Swedish, but, um, uh, you know, it's the challenge that came, you know, to me, uh, with, and included a language uh, from a country that I, since I was a kid, have been quite obsessed by. And, you know, to get the opportunity to go there and embrace myself in that culture and and, and then try and, uh, you know, try and learn how to at least pretend that I know the language and, of course, learn a bit of it um, uh, was, was just such a, a, you know, a little gift presented to me. So, so then I think the focus kind of comes secondhand in that it's like, I just, I really wanted to do it. Um, so yeah. But you've said, which I'm sure is sort of about your ballet background that I'm very good with pain with the quarter of the, are you that way <laughs> mentally also that you can really sort of push through things? I don't, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm. The physical pain, I'm not as good <laughs> anymore, actually. I actually put a pair of point shoes, point shoes on uh, uh, um, uh, a while ago, and I guess I realized that nothing gets as hard as those ballet years. But, yes, yeah, so, you know, I think I think that stress that you put your body through or, you know, in work or whatever uh, kind of gives you, you know, it gives you that payoff. And maybe that was, you know, my, my ballet training that, you know, was an early introduction to that kind of way of working um that I you know I like the kind of mix of highs and lows if it's it's if it's the feeling that comes after <laughs> um you know a, a, a stressful um um exercise or uh if it's working really hard and then do nothing and be in my kitchen and cook <laughs> Do you, are you vulnerable? In any, for example, I'm an insomniac, so sleep is, is, is sort of my vulnerable, my Achilles heel. <laughs> are you vulnerable at any point? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm the same. I'm, I'm like, uh, the, more, the, the older I get, the more that my mother's kind of words ring in my ear of when I was a kid. I hated She always put me to bed so early. <laughs> okay. It was one of those things I was a bit of, you know, I'll, uh, my mom was like, no, 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 you should go to bed at like nine. And I was like, oh, my God, that's n no one in my age and like 12, you know, everyone I know go to bed. But she was like, I know you. It's like if you don't get your eight hours of sleep, you know, you're not you're not happy. And she was and, right. And <laughs> she was so right. And of course, traveling a lot, it doesn't make that easy. The one thing that I have perfected a bit over the years and that have saved me though I don't know I, I'm interested to hear if you how you do the same I, I I nap wherever I can 
Yeah, and uh, interestingly, even like a power nap, like five minutes, will yeah. actually go boom. Yeah, yeah. And I can fall asleep like, like amongst people on a floor, like in daytime, like for five minutes, and I'm out. Oh, good. That, I probably couldn't do that, but that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this is what Gloria Steinem has said about you. Alicia and I are thousands of miles and five decades apart, yet we both grew up wanting to first be ballet dancers and then a lawyer, a combination of art and activism. I think we would have been friends as children, and it's a miracle that we're meeting now across continents and time. Oh, God. Now, yeah. do you see yourself in her the same way that she sees All those herself? things that you mentioned, I think it's more that, you know, that, yeah, I, I think when I, you know, picked up and, and, and read her biography and, you know, to hear her story, it was this, like, tiny little details in, in what she kind of, where she grew up and how, how, how you know, the kind of journey she's done through life and, 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 and also... I mean, I think the first time I spoke to her, I, it was a quote from a book where she mentions, you know, what it's like to be, you know, on, have your life on the road. And I realized that that is, she said somewhere that, you know, that she hadn't been in one place for more than 10 days or something. You know, I don't know what number it was, but I was like, my God, that's kind of true to me for that long, you know, <laughs> And and it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of other people, I think, would read that and they were like, that's crazy, you know? And even I did when I kind of first put my eyes on that row and then I realized, no, but that is me too. I, like, for probably eight to ten years, I never spent, you know, even if I had two, three weeks off, I was still moving between places each, you know, ten days mm -hmm. at least, I think. Yeah. How did you prepare for her? Other than sort of seeing those things that, that connected you? Well, in the film, we are, we're four actors who play Gloria. And um, Julianne Moore plays um, the latter part of her life. And in one way, I think most of us have more maybe references of Gloria Steinem, uh, the woman and, and the work she's done from, from age 40 and maybe above. There's a lot of interviews. There's a lot of... Um, uh, videos uh, um, to watch um, and we kind of know her to be this incredible <laughs> speaker and what I found interesting and that I what I didn't really know was that this woman had fought so hard to find her voice and that it was the fact that no one you know allowed her uh, her written words to kind of be published because of the, the time she was living in um, so she came to a point where she was like, well, if people are going to listen to me, I have to speak out loud. And that was, you know, it was, I, I of course had the pleasure of meeting her, getting to ask <laughs> question of what that experience was like. Um, it was interesting. I was, uh, given a kind of Dropbox with a lot of little, videos from from her younger years that I had hadn't been able to find online or on YouTube and you do see a very different kind of Gloria in the sense that you know you you see that she does maybe not feel comfortable 
in in being in front of a camera or front of a journalist, uh, but she still had this very, um, you know, intelligent, poignant um, um, things that she wants to say. And, and that kind of fight was what I tried to base my section, my part of my Gloria on. I thought it was very interesting for, to do, I mean, I think myself as a woman of soon 32, I thought a lot about my own journey, about other women that I know about. I talked a lot about um, the feeling of kind of growing up, about finding your own voice, finding who you are, what you want to do, and and the struggle of, of getting there. Uh, so that was what I was focusing on, I think, when I... One of the things that she really showed us, um, in my opinion, is is how to make our anger work for us. Um, We as women are not allowed to be mad and and inequality is maddening. But but she actually sort of talked about how how to use that in a way. Um, But I find that so interesting, though, because she says that and I can see that that is what what I'm so impressed by that is that she she says that I can understand that that is her like inner engine going. Mm -hmm. But then her way of always, always, you know, exposing those ideas or thoughts with a gentleness and an openness and without kind of anger is what I think has made her voice become so strong and that all kind of people have have been listening to her, Um, that she has the ability of reaching out to so many different people. She has an ability of always use humor and levity and, and, and laughter, even in the most grim moments and grim subjects. Um, and I think that is also one of her biggest, yeah, definitely one of her strengths. So I, I believe in the film, you you portray her during those years that she did that ex- incredible essay, right, where she exposed what it was like working as a Playboy bunny and sort of the male gaze. Um, and I was thinking when you were preparing for the part, for example, of the robot servant in, in Ex Machina, and when you were preparing for this, it's basically a machine that's built by and for a man. Um, what did you learn about the experience of how men see women sort of have unconscious bias and how we see ourselves? <laughs> Just putting on that costume itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very, uh, quite an interesting experience. How did that uh, feel? I felt so naked. It felt like I didn't. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like I felt even more naked putting on the stockings underneath that little bathing suit or whatever it is. Um, I mean, it's, it also, see, you know, it's also, I felt that over the last few years, actually also pinpointing things that I didn't see 10 years ago or that I didn't things that you know made women repressed that I thought was still the norm 10 years ago and that was something of course when you see when you hopefully see this film or when you did research I was like I couldn't believe that a woman that I've met face to face lived at a time in a time where you know, it's. I, I remember I saw this clip of a TV program, and and she's supposed to talk about her work, and uh, the journalists have um, 
asked if he can come and do the interview in her house. And then somehow Gloria finds herself standing there ironing clothes whilst doing the interview. And you, I can just see how, you know, the struggle of someone in their 20s still don't understand, like, oh, my God, do I need to do this? And in one way, she maybe had to for people to actually listen to her. But, you know, it was so many kind of wow moments that I couldn't, like, couldn't believe my eyes or ears. And, 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 and then realize how this woman, what the work that Gloria has done for decades now and how far we at least have come. Um, I said uh, in passing some interview I, I listened to while doing research, you mentioned in passing that you were going to take a course on unconscious bias. What was that? What did you learn? It's one, it's, they, they've done it as a preparation. I'm, I'm part of the jury for the Biffers, the British Independent Film Awards. Mm. And they had added this year that to be a qualified jury member, you had to do this, you know, short course uh, about unconscious bias. Um, and I was able, I was in New Orleans filming at the moment, and I was able to tune in. It's amazing that you can do those, you know, chat now over Skype, actually, too. And she had a whole presentation, and we were about 20 people online for this talk. And I, you know, I thought it was so interesting to learn that, of course, out of 70% of our brain capacity goes to keep our body functioning. And then about 30 is our actual thoughts and about, you know, 70 of that part is unconscious and things that we learn from child. And, you know, she started to talk about how, you know, of course, as a, a, you know, very, very small child, you very, um, you quickly learn that what is the difference between a squirrel and a rat? Why do we say that one is cute and and one is uh, not um, and she also taught us that, you know, it's okay today to say, my brain is doing this naturally. Um, I think even myself, you know, walking into a room a few years ago and seeing that it was only two um, women in a room of 30 men, part of me just knew that, well, that's normal because that's what I've been taught from such a young age and that doesn't mean that I'm not a feminist and that I it's just she says we just need to rewire our brains and it's okay as long as as soon as we accept that we can make change because that's what Gloria said too that's why I put that together because she said that the first problem that we have both men and women is not to learn new things but to unlearn yeah, and that, that was interesting when she d showed us the statistics of a lot of tests that she went through and talked about during the session. And she said, the, it's the, when you do the tests, when you look at what men and women answer, they answer the same thing. So it's not, you know, it's, it's, it was, a, it was a, something like uh, a group of people who did this test had been watching a debate of lots of people in a room, and afterwards they got a lot of answers. And, and, and they said, they asked, one of the questions was, you know, how many men and women were in the room? And, you know, if, if mo men and women both answered, oh, it was probably about 70% women and 30% men. And they were like, no, it was equal. But our brains are telling us, oh, it was a lot of women in that room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and women say the same thing. And same thing when they got to say, who, who do you think, you know, talk the most, men or women in this debate? 
And all of them, including women, said, well, it was a lot of women, you know, it was a way more female voices that were heard. And actually, that was not the case. So you're saying that that we need to sort of unlearn that type of thinking? Yeah, I think, you know, that, yeah, I, that's what I learned at least when I, when I took this course. I thought it was, you know, pretty yeah. interesting to, to know that. And she said that it's a simple thing. It's just like stop. And like, think about it when you're met by something that you, is my, is this my brain just taking me down the, that route unconsciously? Or, you know, if I just stop and think about it, I can actually make a choice. Right. Another thing that Gloria has done all through her career is give a lot of credit to others, especially women, black feminists that she learned things from that went long before her and crossed lines of race and class, like Shirley Chisholm and things like that. You, of course, mention often women in your life, your mother, Lisa Langstedt, the incredible writer-director who you've worked with many times. Um, One woman I know that particularly came to your defense in a vulnerable time is Julianne Moore. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, and it was one of those things where, you know, I think, I think I'm, I did mention it that, uh, to Julianne a few years ago when I met her that she had died because I knew the article was going to come out. And I said, you probably don't remember it. But I think it's one of those important moments that, you know, for me as a very young woman, like 20 on my first international film where everything's new and I have a hard time to maybe raise my voice. You just without thinking kind of stepped in and, and said, that's not okay when a man in the room said something quite inappropriate. And that was, you know, that was just you, like, instantly, you know, telling everyone in that room what was, what you considered not being okay. Um, But that made such a huge impact on me and taught me so much and has made me know that, you know, already then I thought, well, if I ever get to that position when I have, you know, that power in a room to, to say that, knowing that no one would um, make me pay for it, <laughs> which, which should never be the case. But, you know, I was like that, you know, it's so, it's so it is cool that I both got the chance to meet her again and then work with Julianne again. And in this role. And on a film, exactly. And, a, and on a film like this. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, would you be able to, do you have the power today? Would you be able to do that yourself? Yes, I do. And I think it's part of not only where you've come in your career, I think it's also part of, you know, it's tough growing up. You know, again, that thing of finding your own voice and, and knowing what you what, what you stand for and and that I also my I know what I care about if someone would tell me now that I had to pay for it I wouldn't care you know <laughs> um so I think that's just one of those things that you know your priorities and what you care about becomes a bit more clear I think with growing up and it's also being realistic. I, I thought it, I remember reading, which I thought was just hysterical. Gal Gadot, she talked about that while she was doing Wonder Woman and in, in the dark corners of the internet, men were saying that she was not anatomically built right to play the comic book version of Wonder Woman. And no one is, but this sort of still sticks with women that you should actually be anatomically built to look like a comic book. Oh, comic book. That's crazy. People don't say that about the male characters as much, but, I mean, it's the same issue there, isn't it? Yes. 
<laughs> because you've done that. You've played so many interesting characters that could have been the supportive wife or the, the sexy slave, but they've all been a, twisted. They've all been either sort of the ex machina character or the incredible relationship between the two women in, in Danish Girl, where, where um, Eddie Redmayne is, is transitioning, where the female body is, is neither sexy or unsexy. It has many dimensions. Is that important to you? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, ex machina as well, human characters, but that was still what I was trying to find with Ava as well, <laughs> the, the human elements. What I mean is that, you know, sometimes I get a bit frustrated when, you know, for a while you go into interviews and, you know, people say, well, this is a very strong female character. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I have a hard time to connect with those words in the sense that I want to be able to play um, a weak woman or you know a sexy woman or you know but the thing is like you said it comes with dimensions like I want to play all of it <laughs> I just don't want you to single you know singular you know single out aspects that are you know one-sided of of your idea of, a, of what a woman is or should be but I guess the feeling is that the industry does that for women, that they're yes. the, that's the sort of sort of bigger issue, right? Um, yes, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to see that. I think there's a change happening. I think there's an awareness, again, about like the, the, what she said in this bias, conscious bias like um, cause. It's about like stop and just think and say, is this just something that I was learned or something that I actually believe in or um so I, I uh, over the last you know few years are just coming on a set I mean I can see over the 10 years I've been in the industry it's like now you see women like behind the camera and more in front of the camera too it's it's a real ch change not saying that we're there but I'm so happy to see that you know the the fact that we sit here and talk about it uh, the fact that Gloria Steinem still travels the world <laughs> and has a new, it makes you know, has new lectures every week. Um, that's what that's what um, initiates this kind of change. Yeah, one fun thing about Gloria is is that, of course, the, her one of her most iconic phrases is "the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off." What still <laughs> pisses you off? Oh my God. Yeah, I, I think one of those things that I'm, you know, that I'm, I want to be a woman that now wants, you know, I want to be liberated and show all my good sides and my bad. I want to be um, shown from all the different angles and all colors and for people to listen to them and embrace them. Um, I want to, I want to be able to say that in, you know, a couple of years that I see as, you know, to just when people say that, that, you know, that we're, that we're there or that we're close to, I think is wrong. I, um, when I said that we're moving towards change, I believe in that, but we still have so much further to go. Um, I would love to make both more films with other women um, <laughs> and make films where you see women on set and that it's come to the point when people don't have to 
praise it anymore. Right, <laughs> when it's, it's just natural. It's, when it's just natural, I think that's where I, you know I'm longing for that to happen. We were just watching, talking about the Oscars and and the parasite and the win and how amazing it it is that with this change. Um, how were things different for you post Oscar, which you won quite early in your career? It's it's strange. I mean, it still kind of feels <laughs> feels pretty, you know, surreal. Anytime anyone, you know, brings it up, I think of, of course it's 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 hard to say. I mean, it's it's made it the most wonderful, especially because I got it so early. I think you know, it, I, I, it's like the most amazing. Um, tap on the shoulder saying you're heading the right way but I'm I know that it, I'm so much in the beginning of of all the things I want to do and and um I guess you know it's given me the freedom of course of maybe be part of smaller films um and get them off the ground um that means a lot and that is also I think a way of giving back giving back the kind of opportunity to do something like that um, yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's a huge difference, of course. Yeah. yeah. And as per usual, you have four films in post-production or something like that, as we said at the top of, of the show. And one really interesting one that, that I'd like you to talk to you a little bit about is Blue Bayou. Tell me about that movie. Yeah. Well, th- that's one of those small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably, um... Um, yeah, one of probably the like smallest film I've done budget-wise in in my English-speaking career, but um, it was a script that kind of you know took me by storm when I read it and felt incredibly big in its emotion and what it wanted to say. Um, I had seen Justin Chun, um, who both wrote and directed and starred <laughs> in this film. I mean, I can go on and on and talk about. This man, I you know, I'm I'm so impressed by him. Um, but um, he 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 started as an actor. He was in the Twilight movies back in the days. But uh, he's he's American, born in California, but his parents are Korean, and he find himself found himself you know not getting the chance to work um, due to his heritage, um, and started to write and said well, then I just go go ahead and do my own thing. <laughs> and he did a film called Gook um, and that I saw on Netflix, very small. It actually had a Swedish release. I saw that. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> but um, And um, it showed, you know, one it kind of a bit like what we talked about. When I watched it, I thought to myself, wow, Alicia, you haven't really thought about the fact that you haven't really seen an Asian-American drama been told on screen and I was like wow okay that's interesting why haven't I thought of that you know it was one of those it was one of those moments um I got the chance to talk to him and I thought that so he did had... you get in touch with him after seeing that movie um I had seen it I w- it was actually my one of my uh, agents who you know we share films like tiny films with each other you know have a, our own little film club and this one had been on there he had seen it at Sundance then um, Macro, uh, who uh, Charles King and Kim Roth produces, came on board, and they've done you know a lot of very meaningful films over the past few years, like Fences and Mudbound, and um, they took him under their wings. And I read the script, and I was 
I think I spoke to Justin straight after and I had an amazing chat and I called my agents. I was like, by the way, guys, you know, I know that this is not the way to do it from a, you know, if you're going to make a contract and all of those things. But I've always said yes. Like we already thought <laughs> that we can make it, so you just figure it out. You know, we know we and know just that Justin like, yes, now I can do the movie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is not a film where you, you know, you you make it for the love of filmmaking. It was like there's he also gave me a chance of playing something that I haven't been allowed to play or haven't been given the chance to play yet. I think it's easy to put, you know, it's a bit funny. It's, it's, and it's interesting in America when I made films, I, my, my kind of initial films were um, uh, Anna Karenina, A Royal Affair. Right. People saw me as, they thought maybe I was British. <laughs> and that was their unconscious bias. <laughs> so they thought I was British and they thought, you know, um, that I, um, um, you know, a bit of maybe upper class background or, you know, that that is the roles that I was pitching her to play and then just well and, this unconscious bias thing is yeah it's interesting and I heard that quite a few times you know and and then Justin sits there and he was like but I saw um Tidias Mubaket and he saw my Swedish film my first film and he was like yeah that's from my hometown he was like yeah I saw a very different you in that film and this is a, an interesting this film is very American it's it's about um, an uh, adoptee in America that, that he plays, but who is, you know, since age one or two, you know, who's been growing up in America. It's a, and it's a very American story, but he asked me to play, you know, a, a blue collar um, woman in America, which I have never been given the chance to play. And he gave me the, you know, he, he believed I, I could try and do it. <laughs> Uh, which is the kind of role that maybe I haven't been, you know, sent that much before. And that shows that he, he's, you know, extremely open. He was like, no, and he actually ended up casting about, I don't know, 10 to 15 nationalities in his very American movie. <laughs> when, do you know around what time this was going to be released? Uh, I think fall time, mm-hmm. yes. And you have Tomb Raider coming up. Is that locked and ready? Um, no, no, no. Uh, we're still kind of in the, you know, um, um, they, they also had a, an, a change up. Uh, those big studios get new um, uh, people who run them, you know, once in a while. And, and it's Christmas, it's Michael DeLuca, who's a fantastic producer, actually, who, who now come board as uh, he's becoming the president of MGM. And he's, he starts soon. So now we're just waiting for, you know, hopefully... Uh, um, to start the summer which was always the plan if we were going to go because um, Ben Wheatley who's on board to direct and his wife Amy writing it um, they uh, they he's he's finishing Rebecca now with working title uh, so he needs to finish that film first anyway but you also have Born to be Murdered which is produced by Luca Guarnino and um, Green Knight a medieval fantasy so you like work in all genres Alicia it's fascinating how how you pick your roles yeah no it's it's fun that way <laughs> yeah. yeah I can imagine I just want to end by asking what was one of the uh, the most important things that um, Gloria Steinem taught you during your research and sort of becoming her I think the fact that she um that she against all odds was able to kind of 
believe in herself um, to do what she thought was right for the course that she believed she was working uh, for. Um, to see that the immense fear that she had for standing up in a room and even speak out loud, that the woman that I kind of know is, for me, the face of of women or, or the voice for women all over the world, um, to know that she'd done that journey to me was something that I kind of learned making this film. My unconscious bias thought that she had always had it. And I love that she says that, you know, you have all these different personalities within you and through your life you can get to evolve and, and experience all of them uh, and they're all part of you. And I thought that was something that I really took with me. Which you are doing also. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and for talking about this and, and, and you know how much I'm looking forward to seeing all your movies, but particularly <laughs> this one. <laughs> yes, of course. I'm so happy that we got the chance to do this chat and maybe it was meant to be. Yes, to be I know. That's I just what I feel like too. it was meant to be right now. It was supposed to be now this. and not then. Exactly what Gloria said. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much to Alicia Vikander. The Glorious Blue Bayou, Born to be Murdered, will all be out sometime later this year. And we can't wait for Tomb Raider, which I guess will be out in a couple years. Worth waiting for. Her new movie, Earthquake Bird, is on Netflix now. And while you're waiting for The Glorious, read Steinem's memoir, My Life on the Road. And you can also listen to my interview I did with Steinem a couple years ago here on Pop Culture Confidential. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment, please rate us. It really helps others find the show. This show was edited by Julia Scott, and I'm Christina Jörling-Biro. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today, and uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.